powerful word and song. Touch the sky when our knees hit the ground. I think some of us are a little directionally challenged sometimes. We need to feel like we need to pick ourselves up. We feel like we need to do this or we need to do that. And so many times all we need to do is hit the ground. Thank you for that beautiful song, that beautiful reminder. We're going to be in Jonah chapter 3 this morning. Jonah chapter 3. My plan is to finish up the book of Jonah next week. So we can see how this prophet, who again was a little directionally challenged, God told him to go one way and he went the other. We see how this prophet was used by the living Lord Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the God of glory. And prayerfully, hopefully, we're beginning to see some of the ways that he can use us. We're going to be in Jonah chapter 3 here in just a few minutes. You know, there's only a few events in life that truly alter every day of your future. There's only a few events in life that alter every day of your future. You know, I, I remember where I was when 9-11 occurred. I remember right exactly where I was when I heard all of that and saw all of that. And indeed, it was tragic. And for many in our country, it changed their future forever as thousands of people Thousands of people lost their, lost their lives, but for the most part, for, for me, it's a, it's a very difficult memory that unless there's a specific reason for it, I, I, I honestly seldom, seldom think about it. Usually, the biggest effect that it has on my daily life is if I'm flying somewhere, I've got to go through a little bit of extra security. I remember the day the volcano erupted in the Philippines. It was 27 years ago, just a couple of weeks back. It's not something I want to do again. I have a deeper understanding of that tragedy. It certainly was a, a, a something that I experienced again even just last month or so when the folks in Guatemala had experienced their own volcano. I kind of knew what they felt like being covered in volcanic ash. But it really doesn't alter my everyday life, uh, again, unless there's something specific or something that triggers that thought. It's not one of those things that I think about every day. But there are some of those days, there are some of those days in life that I think about every single day of my existence. There are some of those days. Three of them specifically are the days that my kids were born. Now, I may not think of those exact three days all the time, but, but beloved, you can rest assured that there is not a single day that goes by that I don't think about my kids. There's not a single day that goes by that I don't love my kids. No matter the distance that may be between us, whether that's physical distance, ideological difference, or anything else, I think about, I love, I cherish my children. Those three days that they were born changed every single day of my existence since. Beloved, my prayer for you is that today will be one of those days that alters the rest of your life. 
Indeed, I pray that today is the day that every single day hereafter is not the same. Not because of me, not because of something I might say, but because I pray. I pray that today you genuinely encounter the living Lord Jesus Christ through His living Word, and that infects every single thought, motivation, and action that you have from this day forward. That's what happened to Jonah. He heard from the Lord, and oh my, how it changed him. Read with me Jonah chapter 3. It's only 10 verses long, if you will. If you'll follow along, the words will be on the screen as well. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose, notice the difference, went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published throughout Nineveh by decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything let them not feed or drink water but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands who knows God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Verse 10 says, When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented from the disaster that he had said he would do to them. And he did not do it. I want to speak to you today on the reality that when you are confronted with the Word of the Lord, when you are confronted with the Word of God, listen, when you're confronted with the, Lord, with the Word of God, you will either spend your life running from it or you will spend your life running for it. When you are confronted with the word of the Lord, you will either spend your life running from 
it or you will spend your life running for it. Here's what I want you to see this morning. Really, it's just one thing. It's just one point that I really want to make this morning and I want it to settle deep into our hearts. If you engage with the Word of God, it will change the trajectory of your life. It will change every single day of your life. It will change your emotional state, your physical state, your mental state, your intellectual state. It will change the things you care about and how you care about them. It will change your priorities in life. It will make the things you believe to be important today unimportant. And the things you think are unimportant, they will become important. Friends, the Bible, the Bible really should come with one of those little warning labels on it. You know those warning labels? You know that since 1965, the federal government has required words like caution, cigarette smoke may be hazardous to your health, to be placed on the side panels of cigarette packages. Since 1965, later warnings that come out in these great big letters, it says, Surgeon General's Warning. Smoking causes lung cancer, heart disease, emphysema, may cause pregnancy. They go on to say quitting smoking now greatly reduces serious risks to your health. Smoking by pregnant women may result in fetal injury, premature birth, low birth rate. Smoking, cigarette smoke contains carbon monoxide. And then when we all stopped smoking, or most of us did, and we went to the smokeless tobacco, they put those on there. This may cause mouth cancer. Warning, this product causes gum disease, tooth loss. Warning, this product is not a safe alternative for cigarettes. I guess the warning on our Bibles could read something like this. Warning, this is a Bible. It is believed by many to be the word of the one and only eternal God. If indeed this is true, you will be exposed to insurmountable grace, mercy, truth, judgment. According to this Bible, all this God requires is your full devotion and belief, repenting of your sin and surrendering to His Lordship. If you read this Bible... Your worldview will be challenged, and you will likely spend the rest of your life either attempting to defend this Bible or defeat this Bible. There really is no middle ground. Warning. Read with caution. It will alter the rest of your life. We already know what happened when the word of the Lord came to Jonah the first time. He worked as hard as he could to defeat the word of the Lord. And beloved, you could do the same thing. You could come into contact with the word. You could come into contact with the word of God and decide for yourself that you don't believe it. And what is amazing 
What is amazing is that you can tell your friends and your family and even yourself that you really do believe it. That's what Jonah did. But by the actions of our lives prove otherwise. If you choose to deny the scriptures, you really leave yourself only one other choice in life. And that is to actively seek to disprove or distance yourself from it. You will change your entire reality. You will change your entire reality trying to get away from God. You will distance your family. You will embrace secular worldviews and belief. You will change your geographic location on the globe. You will change your appearance, your friends, your jobs, your living arrangements. Everything you can find, you will change. You will live your life complaining, accusing everyone of being judgmental, hypocritical, bigoted, racist, some kind of phobic. You will have an opinion about everything, especially the way things should be run in the church, yet actively work to counter her mission and ministry. You will always be right, and everyone else will always be wrong. You will be the victim of an oppressive society and history. You will be more concerned about arguing your political convictions and destroying the reputations of others so that you can be seen as just and pure and individually altogether holy. Now, if you think I'm accusing you or judging you or dismissing you, I beg you to please think again. Because what I'm doing is my very best to present to you exactly what we've already seen Jonah do. Exactly what we've already seen Jonah do. And I've already shared with you that in my past, I have lived this life on the run, attempting to discredit the sovereign truth of God and His Word. So no, this is not an accusation. It is a testimony of both the truth of Scripture and the reality of experience. Friends, when you read the Bible, when you actually hear the Word of the Lord, it will change your very existence. And you will either spend your life running from it or running for it. And let me demonstrate the latter by taking a look at Jonah chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3 opens up, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. A second time. This time, instead of rising up to flee, he rose up and went to Nineveh. If you look at that phrase in verse number 3, it says, according to the word of the Lord. In other words, Jonah heard and recognized the word of God coming to him while he stood there on the beach in the partially digested contents of a fish's stomach. Again, Jonah 
was accustomed to hearing from the Lord. He had been a prophet. He was a prophet in the northern kingdom of Israel. He had heard God once already concerning Nineveh. So when God speaks to Jonah a second time concerning his call, Jonah doesn't need to wonder if this is really God. He knows full well that it most certainly is. And here I want to take I want to take three New Testament passages to demonstrate what happens in the life that is eternally altered to run toward God instead of away from Him. The first one comes from a passage in the Gospel of Luke. It's Luke chapter 24, verse 27. And there the Bible says, "...and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them..." in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. The first thing I want us to see is that the Bible interprets life to be centered on Christ. The Bible interprets life to be centered on Christ. Look again at Jonah chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. Jonah began to go into the city going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God, and they called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. Now, to be sure, Jonah was not the most enthusiastic evangelist in the history of the biblical narrative and storyline. As a matter of fact, As a matter of fact, in the Hebrew language, his entire message consisted of five words. Five words. And I know what you're thinking, so let's not go there. Because my message is going to be more than five words. In the English, we have to translate it into eight words. Yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Whole message. Everything that Jonah said to this city of Nineveh, right there. Now here's the point I want to make. The proclaimed word, the proclaimed word of the Lord is more powerful than the proclaimer of that word. The proclaimed word of the Lord is more powerful than the proclaimer of that word. Yes, Jonah was mad at God. No doubt about it. But Jonah knew that God's word would not return void. His buddy, the prophet Isaiah, had already written that. The apostle Paul even ran into this issue with people preaching the gospel from ill-conceived motivations. We looked at this, I think, last week or the week before last in our Connect classes from Philippians chapter 1. Paul says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, the former out of selfish ambition. Verse 18 there says, What then? Only that in every way, whether that it, rather than in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed and in that I rejoice 
Yes, beloved, as an act of supreme worship, we should proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ for His glory. But even when we don't, even when we get something wrong, when the words aren't all together there, God does His work through His Word. Paul again writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and he says, and he reminds us that it is the Scripture, not the Scripture that saves us, but it is the Scripture that makes us wise unto salvation. The Scriptures are what make us wise to salvation. Listen, friends, there is not a single word there is not a single word in the whole Bible that does not point to Christ. Not a single word. The grand story of the Bible from creation, fall, redemption, restoration, consummation, all of that is the story of Jesus. There is not a syllable in this book, not a syllable in the Scriptures, that do not proclaim salvation is found in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Not a single begat, begotten, or behold. Not a single story of grace or wrath. Not a word of love or judgment. Not a single story that highlights disobedience or obedience. Beloved, every word from in the beginning to the final amen of the book of Revelation, every word screams, Jesus is risen and Jesus is Lord. Every word. The passage I mentioned just a moment ago from Luke's gospel is Jesus walking down the road to Emmaus with two disciples who are heartbroken over the crucifixion of Jesus. And as he joins them, the Bible there says, look what it says. Jesus begins with Moses and all the prophets. That's the whole Old Testament that we call it. Moses is the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, what we call the law. The prophets would be the former and the latter. The former prophets are what we call the, or the, uh, the uh, history books and the poetry books. And the latter prophets are all the major and minor prophets. So he says, from the whole Bible, look what he says here, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them, he interpreted to them all the Scripture, the things concerning himself. Jesus says, this book, from beginning to end, is about him. Friends, whatever Jonah said, Whatever Jonah said, the truth is that the Ninevites heard, repent and believe in the one true God and Savior. Verse 5 of this passage says they did. They believed with fasting and repentance. Friends, if you read the Bible and you're confronted with the Word of God, you will either spend your life running from it or you will spend your life running for it because every single word points to Jesus.
and we either reject or embrace his lordship. Secondly, this morning, I need you to see that when we are confronted with the word of God, the Bible will take every thought captive to obey Christ. Hear what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Verse 5, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Every thought, every thought will be captivated by the truth you encounter as you grow in the knowledge of God through your heart, through your mind, through your spirit, and in your life. Look what happened in Nineveh. Look what happened in Nineveh when Jonah preaches. In verses 6 through 9, we read this part of the story. The word, the word, not Jonah, not Jonah's attitude, Jonah's spirit, none of that. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with a sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published throughout Nineveh by decree of the king and all of his nobles, let no man or beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. He's calling for a fast across the land. Let them not feed or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hand. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger that we may not perish. Beloved, I need you to understand that the people of Nineveh were among the wickedest people in the ancient world. There is some evidence that the act of crucifixion, the act of cruelty known as crucifixion, originated in the ancient city of Nineveh. They were wicked, they were vicious, and they were proud of it. They, they were destructive in every form imaginable and even in many ways that we can't even begin. We can't even begin to imagine. Yet, they hear the word of the Lord and their posture becomes one of repentance and humility. We cannot imagine the gravity of seeing the vilest king of the wickedest city in the world remove his royal garment to cover himself in sackcloth and sit not on his throne but in ashes friends that doesn't happen that doesn't happen and then to decree that his entire kingdom should fast display signs of disgrace and repentance and then turn from their evil and their violence 
That kind of thinking is unfathomable. For this people in this time, I really can't express adequately enough how incredible a turnaround this is for this king in this kingdom. But it does. It does clearly express the power of the word of the Lord when delivered to the ears and the hearts of men and women. Jonah delivered the word of the Lord to the people of Nineveh, and it took every thought they had captive. They repented of their evil. They repented of their hate, and they genuinely sought out the Lord's forgiveness, and they prayed that the destruction that he had planned would not come their way. They prayed for grace and hope and mercy and salvation. <clears throat> I wonder, beloved, I wonder if we hear from the word of the Lord, how will it captivate our thoughts? How, how will the knowledge of God lead us to repentance? Will, will we proclaim, as this wicked king did, to the entire nation that repentance is the key to salvation? Will we put our pride on hold and humble ourselves? Will we look not to division and arguments and complaints, but rather to God's love that he would withhold his fierce anger? Will we see Jesus on the cross dying for my sin and giving me hope? Friends, I fear that sometimes we're more concerned about arguing for our rights under the Constitution than we are living our worship and praise before the Lord. I am grateful, I am extremely grateful that our nation has the words in that First Amendment of our Constitution that promises us freedom of religion. I am thankful, I am thankful, I am thankful, but may we never forget that our religion was not founded by words written by fallible men, but by a bloody corpse dying on a cross to raise again three days later, that we may have life and then cause us to that same living sacrifice. I pray, I pray that, that Jesus is the center of every thought. I long for the day when, when we seek to build a biblical theology of life and worship and practice instead of building this individualistic philosophy of entitlement that's based on my rights. When our thoughts are taken captive by the Word of God, we, like the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, would gladly surrender all of our rights to see the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed to all nations, all people. It will take thought or take captive every thought.
see, friends, when you hear the word of the Lord, you will either spend your life running from it or you'll spend your life running for it. And that includes letting the word of God dwell in you, sacrificing all for the sake of the gospel, captivating every thought. Lastly, we need to see that the Bible will lead you to believe and that by believing you may have life in his name. By believing you may have life in his name. The writer of the Gospel of John says near the end of his book in chapter 20, Now Jesus did many other signs. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book, but, but, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Look back quickly at Jonah chapter 3. God spoke to Jonah. Jonah spoke to the people of Nineveh. Those people repented. And in verse 10, God forgave when God saw what they did how they turned from their evil way God relented of the disaster that he had said that he would do to them and he did not do it they lived life what a beautiful reality Jesus said I am the life the New Testament encourages us to put on Christ, to consume Christ, to live in a manner that is worthy of the call of Christ. We are called to share Christ because Christ is life, and without Christ, there is no life. God heard and saw how the people of Nineveh turned from their wicked and evil ways, and he gave them life that word turned means repented so if they repented of their evil ways it also means that they believed in the God of all goodness and grace the word of the Lord altered the reality of the people of Nineveh forever you see friends if you've not heard it yet when the word of the Lord comes into our lives when we encounter the word of the Lord we're either going to spend our lives running from it or running for it we'll see next week that Jonah still struggled with the whole running for it but it nonetheless changed his life and it'll change yours too it'll change yours too friends I, I believe I believe that we need to be eternally and forever altered by the word of the Lord. And for that to happen, for that to happen, we must come into a level of engagement with the word of God. We've got to be engaged with the Bible. And friends, that too often is absent. Very recent research has indicated that the level of biblical engagement Listen, the level of biblical engagement is directly related to the frequency of Christians sharing the gospel. 
It is directly related to believers coming to church and being engaged in ministry. It's directly related to the prayer life of Christians. Engagement with the Bible is directly related to our giving, both frequently and faithfulness. In other words, if we just read the Bible, if we just read and study the Bible, we will do all of the other things that God has called us to do faithfully and frequently. If we want to see more people saved, you and I need to be more engaged in the Bible. If we want to see more people serve, you and I need to be more get engaged in the Bible. If we want to see more people faithfully give, you and I need to be more engaged in the Bible. So much hinges on the Word of the Lord coming to us. And yet, and yet our Bibles continue to collect dust on a shelf or they're left in the car until next week or even left at church because we really won't need it till next Sunday. So before we have a time here in just a moment for response, I want to offer you a challenge. I want to offer you a challenge. I'm calling this the five thousand minute challenge you say what here's the challenge the goal is for Zion Baptist Church as an entire body all of us collectively the goal is to read to spend five thousand minutes reading the Bible this week and every week and you look at me and say, Brother Marcus, that sounds awful high. Well, let me break it down for you. Here's the math. If we've got 200 people reading five minutes a day, 200 people reading five minutes a day, that's 1,000 minutes. And if you do that for five days, that's 5,000 minutes. 200 people reading the Bible five minutes a day for five days days there's our 5,000 minutes now I'm convinced that we can not only meet this goal but we can exceed this goal if you go to our church's website you're going to find under the coming events part scroll down a little bit you're going to find one of those little boxes on our church website and you'll find a survey and on that survey is a place for you to add the number of minutes that you've read. Now, this isn't some legalistic thing or anything along those lines. I just want to demonstrate really how easy it is for us to read 5,000 minutes. And I want you to take with your family to read the Bible. Go to the church. Go to the church's website and just click. It's in increments from 5 to 30 minutes. Now, if you read for 60 minutes, click 30 minutes twice and submit. All right? Don't make it more complicated than it is. But this is one thing I do want to say. If you and your family... Dad, if you and your wife and your two kids read the Bible for 10 minutes out loud, that's 40 minutes of Bible reading. 10 minutes for you, 10 minutes for your wife, and 10 minutes for each of your two kids. That's 40 minutes of Bible engagement personally. So take a, just, just a few minutes 
Maybe read for five minutes before supper, five minutes before you go to, go to school or work or whatever it is. Take just a few minutes because I am confident that we can not only reach this goal but exceed it, and I think we can even double it. Right now, all my prayer is is that you just read it. I don't care where you start. If you want to start in Genesis or Matthew, if you're brave and you want to go to Leviticus first, go there. Read the Bible. Spend a few minutes in the Scriptures every day. Because it will make your life more Christ-centered. It will take every thought you have captive. And it will lead you to believe that you may have life. But be careful. Because you may reject it. You really could, and that will lead to a life that will seek to destroy God's word, God's truth for you and those around you. So before we take this moment to respond, let me remind you of the warning. When you're confronted with the word of God, you will either spend your life running from it, or you will spend your life running for it. Father, this